There's a historical marker for today that fits into our discussion on Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history, as we have been for the last eight units, uh, bringing you into the discussion, give you an, give you an opportunity to uh, learn, to grow, to expand, to participate in putting out what is good information about American history in its true form. Today, in 1862, President Lincoln explained the Emancipation Proclamation to his cabinet. There's more context to this, as there always is. He realized the challenges. He realized that he had to wait until the Union Army had a substantial military victory to go even more public, and that he was engaged, uh, along with his cabinet, in keeping a nation uh, together. So that sets the stage, which then played out as we travel west to Texas, because Unit 9 in Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history, is a focus on the Lone Star State. And there is a Texas edition. The two authors, as always, Dr. Walter Milton Jr., Joel Freeman, Ph.D., both join me now. Walter, Joel, guys. The Texas edition, I got to tell you, I've got a couple of friends in Texas who have been waiting for this, so let's go to it. Uh, great to have you back. Good to be oh, back. Yeah, truly honored to Very be back, exciting. Dave. Glad to be here this morning. All right, look, we know everything's bigger in Texas, right? I've got to use that because I'm talking to my Texans out there. Everything's bigger, but we've got to fit it into 15 minutes. Uh, So let's work our way across in the Lone Star State. uh, I'll go to you first, uh, Joel. Uh, Blacks in Texas under Mexican rules, something we don't hear about typically taught in the classroom. What was their life like? Yes, it was um, a very uh, challenging situation because the uh, the Spanish system about uh, in terms of categorizing people was known as the costas, the, the racial categorization. And it was kind of a, a hierarchical order of racial groups according to, uh, you know, it's like one drop of Spanish blood, two drops of Spanish blood, if you will. In the, in, and they had... Um, uh, categories with significant meanings. So in other words, the t- upper category, the top category was called Espanol, the Spaniards, then the Castizo, uh, the, the Morisco, the Mestizo, the Mulatto, Indio, the Indian, and then the Negro, the Negro, the Black, at the very bottom. And it's, they called it a, a system that was very extreme, and some had more than 40 classifications. And uh, so it's race, color, physical features, occupation, wealth. All of this mattered as as, uh, the Spanish officials attempted to control every aspect of every person's life, from employment to regulating dress codes to friendships and everything else. How much of that was, and before I go to you, Walter, how much of that, Joel, was a result of the history of the Spanish and slavery at one time, Spain were the largest uh, slave-holding nation in the world. Yes. Uh, if you look back on the, um, uh, the origin of slavery, enslavement, uh, you go back to the Swahili coast where the Portuguese first were, uh, in, uh, saw the Arabs involved in slave, slave trading 
and then the Dutch, and then the Spaniards. But what happened is the Spaniards had quite an incursion into South America uh, and and the southern part of the United States, uh, but uh, in the early years. In fact, in my collection, I have the oldest document in my collection is dated 1553, and I have over 100 of these documents uh, from 1553 on where the Spaniards are detailing uh, hospitals for slaves in Peru, uh, St. Bartholomew's, and then you have, um, uh, the, like, the 1553 document is written in Old Spanish. So even if you can speak Spanish, you look at it, and it looks like pig Latin. You just can't understand it. So I've had some experts look at that, and these are actual slave documents. And uh, the Catholic Church was very involved, and there is a number of things all detailed in the documents that I own in the collection. All right, now, of course, to Walter. Walter, we don't want to hold you off too long, and we couldn't anyway if we tried, because you would jump <laughs> no right problem. in. But, you know, no Texas, like I said, Texas proud. When I lived there, Texas, once a republic, then becomes a state. Uh, you know, there there's a, there's some misinformation, and as the former superintendent here, and the I would call it among the three of us, we'll make you the chief educator. Texas <laughs> is a republic as a state, and how blacks fared in that in that time and period. Well, we know uh, one thing that the vicissitudes that many uh, blacks encountered was 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 damaging to the psyche in some cases. However, the origin of, and I quote that, the free Negro, um, unquote, as it relates to the Republic of Texas, um, was applied on, on paper, and it was exclusively a legal term um, referring you know, to those inhabitants of the Republic of Texas, and they were classified as free persons of color. And if we look at, from the context of, of, of them as subjects, but they were subject to special regu- regu- uh, excuse me, regulations that were enacted uh, to govern them. Okay, so there was al- almost a, a, a class, of two classes within um, blacks as it relates to the republic. And so you had uh, a lot of fratricidal conflict that took place. But among the native uh, percentages of the Negro blood, um, they were technically... Uh, called uh, pre-Negroes. And so uh, throughout the census, there were these distinctions that were made in terms of these categorizations of of looking at them from an ethnological uh, standpoint. So, you know, they fared better, but they still had the challenges that took place, especially when freedom, or when, when there was a quest for freedom and then the whole transition from slavery to freedom. Right, of course, and Juneteenth, which we just passed, uh, began there in Galveston, uh, Texas, and expanded across the West. Now, blacks played a big role in the West, Joel, uh, the American expansion. Once Juneteenth happened, a quarter million blacks were declared free. Of course, it took time, but then that carried across the West beyond Texas. But just to get beyond Texas, we're talking about 800 plus miles wide. So how did blacks fare? What was that transition like? Uh, culturally, economically, and then I want to get into education as well. Yes, um, kind of the, the roots behind that was in 1863 
you had this uh, battle of uh, San Jacinto, uh, I can't pronounce it very well, uh, Jacinto, and it was, that was the defining moment in Texas history. Uh, in fact, uh, that is uh, the, the one that caused the expansion for blacks and others into other states. And so that was when uh, Santa Ana and the Mexican troops were, uh, were making an incursion into Texas, and uh, Houston was retreating. Uh, he had only 900 men, and Santa Ana had 1,200. And then it was on April 21st that, uh, that uh, they decided, Sam Houston decided to attack around 4.30. And I think the battle lasted no more than 18 to 20 minutes or so, because uh, the Mexican soldiers were taking a siesta, and they didn't post any monitor uh, folks there, and mon- monitors. And so uh, 600 Mexican soldiers were killed. But this is what happened to your, to your question, is that for Mexico, the defeat was the beginning of a downhill political spiral that would result in the loss of nearly a million square miles in territory. And uh, this, this led to the annexation of Texas into the United States and the beginning of the Mexican-American War, and in the end, uh, United States would not only gain Texas, but also New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona, California, Utah, parts of Oklahoma, Kansas, Colorado, Wyoming. And as a result of this particular battle in 1863 with Sam Houston, uh, it, it was uh, almost a third of what is now United States of America changed ownership and became perhaps one of the most decisive and consequential battles in the history of the United States and indeed in the Western world. And uh, so black, black uh, were involved in the expansion. Now, what happened is that uh, you had what's called manifest destiny. And, uh, and so a lot of people got, were involved in this, uh, this expansion into the other areas. And a lot of slavery in, was involved, um, you know, uh, and, and I'll, I'll let Walter pick up on that, but it's just uh, and there are a lot of uh, blacks involved in uh, the explorers with going with the explorers. You have uh, York who went with um, the Lewis and Clark expedition and others. So that's that kind of is a, a historical view of how it all happened. All right. So, Walter, that's a toss to you. But also to add to that, I mentioned black educators and education in Texas. Uh, there were some significant advancements right to today. Absolutely. If you look at it from uh, in a historical context, you know, people of African descent are some of the oldest residents of Texas, beginning with the arrival of I can never say his name right, Joel, neither. Uh, Stan uh, Van. Van Vancio, um, in 1528, um, that African Texans, uh, they, had a, they have a long heritage in the state and have worked alongside Americans of Mexican, European, and the indigenous descent to make the state what it is today, believe it or not. So the African-American experience in history in the state of Texas has also been paradoxical um, in, in a sense that on one hand, People of African descent have worked with others to build a state uniquely cultural, um, culturally in terms of the heritage, making extraordinary contributions to music, literature, artistic traditions. But on the other hand, African-Americans have been subjected to slavery, as we know, in racial prejudice and, and segregation. But those were all the backdrop. Those were the things that really fueled um, 
um, you know, black Texans to really take hold of the education and the educational process, because within that, they felt that there was a strong sense of liberation that would bring out a better future for uh, their generations to come. And as we know that um, education is one of those things that serve as a passport, you know, to a, to a bright future. Uh, going to the next steps and, and, you know, going past education, there's the cultural uh, view of what happened in Texas. I think a lot of people leave in a tribute and sometimes misattribute to, you know, the Bob Marley song, right? Buffalo Soldier. They think beyond that. But, you know, blacks fought and we've talked before about different conflicts around the world where there was a battle for freedom, but then coming home or in this case, crossing state lines or territorial lines to not have the freedom uh, that you fought for for others. Uh, What's the the true story, uh, Joel, I'll go to you, of the Buffalo Soldier in short form, and then let's talk about the elephant experience of your choices. Go ahead, Joel. Yes, uh, the Buffalo Soldiers, they were, um, they were first authorized in 1866, and uh, the, the name Buffalo Soldiers was, in fact, that, that all started in, in Louisiana, in, in New Orleans. And that's that's when they first mustered and uh, developed. And they were called Buffalo Soldiers. There's a couple of um, understanding about how that happened. But uh, they felt what happened is that they were very, very much involved in dealing with the Native American Indian population. And so a lot of the and they fought very fiercely. And because their hair uh, looked like the bison hair, that's why they called them Buffalo Soldiers. That's, that's one of the main uh, stories around that. And so what happened is that they ended up becoming uh, very much involved in the westward expansion in bringing order. Uh, there were some times when uh, you'd have uh, uh, white uh, farmers and white wealthy ranchers going at each other, and then the Buffalo Soldiers would be brought in to bring order and uh, all kinds of different situations. But what happened is that they, they ended up becoming, uh, working very closely with the National Park Services. And I think the last known Buffalo soldier passed away um, uh, in, in 2021, I think this year, 2020. So uh, that's, uh, that's kind of a little bit quick history about the Buffalo soldiers. Wow, 2021. Twenty twenty, yeah, the know. last Buffalo Soldier. I, I did that. That's a little tidbit I didn't expect today. <laughs> All right, guys. Elephant and National Park <laughs> Services. I'm NPS. I'm sorry. That's all right. Uh, All right. From Buffalo to Elephant, there's an elephant experience along with all the QR codes and the the technology that's in Black History 365. So uh, I'll I'll let you guys toss the coin on today's uh, elephant experience and who's going to take it away. Well, I'd like to uh, talk about one uh, elephant experience that was it was kind of um, it was riveting as I was uh, as we were doing this research and putting this piece together, and we came upon a letter that a young soldier by the name of Hawkins had written to his parents. He participated in the uh, protection of an African American woman who was beaten by police officers. He and another group of soldiers 
intervene and they begin to fight uh, the, the officers and it, a riot ensued as a result of that. Um, to make a long story short, so what happened was quite painful. He had written this letter to his mother and father um, because uh, almost 100 of these young soldiers were arrested, life in prison as a result of this, and about 16 of them were lynched. And so he wrote a, parent, a letter to his parents, and he said, by the time that you receive this letter, I will be dead. And he was thanking them for all of the love that they had displayed, you know, over his lifetime. And it was, it was very painful because you think in terms about, you know, your own children. And so that elephant experience um, uh, um, was, was unique in a sense, but also it just really gave light of what took place uh, during that day and time. And yet another way to highlight why, gentlemen, with your help and all the work you've done to write this book, uh, we'll keep highlighting the true history and lead people to this. Again, QR codes, the elephant experience, so much more, all there for everyone at Black History. Uh, 365.org, bh365.org. I'll make it even easier for you. Uh, but the book Black History, an Inclusive Account of American History, written by Dr. Walter Milton Jr. and Joel A. Freeman, Ph.D. Uh, Unit 10 is next. But, gentlemen, our Texans should be proud. The, the history, like you uh, reported, it's tragic at times. It's hopeful at others. It is real and uh I really appreciate it. And so many people have told me how much they appreciate the hard work you've done to bring this uh, to our schools, to our parents, to our educators across the country. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. And we look forward to the next show. Bless you. Unit 10 is next. Thank you, gentlemen. 866-95-PATRIOT. I'll be right back.